now I get messages from like young guys that are 21, 22, and like they're going through a breakup or they don't know what to do with their careers. And like, and at the same time, you find people who are like 45 and they're also going through a divorce mm. and now they don't know what to do. And like, they're going through difficult times. I think those people at that level, they're not even thinking about something massive. They're just thinking about how do I not feel lost? Yeah. I think feeling lost is probably the worst place to be. In today's social media-obsessed world, we all see the successes, the world record-breaking, and the achievements of the people we look up to. But what we don't see is what goes on behind the scene. Hosted by power couple Dean and Alana Stott, this show is dedicated to asking difficult questions while discovering the support systems and people behind those we love and respect in media, business, athletics, and high-performance culture. Dean and Alana believe that through honest communication, teamwork, and mutual respect, that anything is possible. Like, there's not a better partner I could choose who's equally as crazy as me because we have a chip on our shoulder to prove people wrong, you know, uh, and to prove ourselves right. I can go be the face of this. I can go do this, but I don't understand the back end of this. I have to learn business. I have to learn how this works. Many couples in this dynamic are stuck and unable to move forward in an identity crisis. Marcus's energy is so bad. I feel like I need to cleanse my house. Like it is so it's suffocating. And then seeing him 24 hours later, he was as light as air. Yeah. And we literally, I, like we literally embraced, hugged. I stepped back and I said, this is exactly what the guys need. When we can look behind the scene and learn from each other, we can finally move forward and transform into our fullest potential. I think I heard something recently about um, if you only stay, you know, in your country where you're, you're only reading one page of the book and you're missing the rest of the book, you know, <laughs> and I think that's so true. I mean, one of my favorite countries is Mexico. I love Mexico and I've been to every you know, side of it that you would you would call of what what, what a country should be. And uh, somebody recently said to Dean when he was filming in Mexico, "Oh, you can't go there; it's super dangerous. You'll probably get killed. People get killed there all the time and get their heads chopped off and all these things." And I was like, "Have you ever been?" And they said, "Well, no, we wouldn't go there because we would get killed, and the cartel would arrest, like, take us." And, do it. and I was yeah. like, "See, you have some stories." Yeah. That's, just, the, that's the media. That's the guilt of the media again. That's the uh, media. I don't think so. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had some experiences. Oh, there. he had some experiences. See, I cycled all the way through Mexico, and you know, I, really? you know, I, as you know, I cycled from Argentina to Alaska, and actually, the only incident we had, criminal-wise, was Colorado. <laughs> someone broke into the vehicle and everyone was telling me be careful down in South America be careful down there and actually be careful here <laughs> that was the thing well, but maybe your guard was down maybe in, in coming what's yeah, your maybe. experience yeah please yeah two months of Mexico because when I I got out of Cuba and I spent five months to get here okay so I was I was like three months in Suriname. Then we traveled to Nicaragua, Honduras, Guatemala, and then Mexico. But in Mexico, we didn't have the papers. So we have to stay there like for 45 days on the South. 
And then we travel for three days on the bus uh, to go to the north. Mm -hmm. So you weren't able to travel from Cuba to the States directly? Not no. direct, no. I was traveling all the countries illegally. So, okay. so I was with people from cartels. So um, they call coyotes. Coyotes. Yes. So they take us, but then the police want to... Uh, Apprehend us? Yes, because yeah. they want our money as well. So we have we are fighting with other cartels that want to have us because then they call my brother and say you have to give me money and then he can he can keep going. And then we have the police that wants to do the same. So in Mexico, you have a lot of cartels in every city, and you have the police as well. So we were like easily. Every hour, we have to go down of the bus, or maybe they go out, uh, they go in yeah. the bus. So and did everybody like, on the bus? Yes, illegal. for three days. Was everybody on the bus? Illegally. Not no, everyone. I, I was, at that time, I was legally, because I wait for 45 days for a paper. So I was legally, and then on the bus, they don't care. They just give me money, give me money, or give me money. Wow. So you're Cuban, yes, give me money. So you can say I'm Venezuelan or I'm from Nicaragua, but they know because you're Asian and all that. So when we were getting to the border, the bus stopped and there is one guy with a car and he has a gun. And he said, uh, who is Cuban? And we say, yes, we are, because we don't we don't know if they are from our cartel mm. or they are the people that are going to take us to the border or something like that. And then we go, we go down the bus and he's with the car. And I I, I talk to him and I say, hey, who, who you are? Who is sending you? Hey, don't worry about that. I'm, I'm you know, you don't have to worry. Everything is OK. And, and, and I'm like, no one tell us that we are going to stop in this place. We are going to, we have to stop like in two hours. It's not here. And then at the same time, the military from Mexico is coming with a lot of cars. And they are like, eh, go to the ground, to the ground. And I'm like, fuck, this is, I'm Cuba. Because I don't know if these people are going to take me to Cuba, if they are going to send me to Guatemala. I'm just, I was running from the military of Mexico. I was running from the cartel. I, I'm just like, this is bad. And then the cartel, the, the military take the, the guys. So this guy, he wants to kidnap us. So he wants to take us to another house and just call my brother with and this is what they do. They don't tell you that you are kidnapping. They just tell you, hey, we cannot move because the police is there. Mm -hmm. But then to my brother, they just call him and say, if you don't give me like 10K, he's dead. You have three days. So that's what happened. And you don't know anything. And you're like, oh, I'm okay. We are waiting here. And you got that call? No. I, I didn't no. get that because the, the army was there and they just, they start shooting like the guy. He put the gun here and started, we're going to kill you, bam! And, and they shoot. 
and they go, they take the car and take it to the, that's a desert area. So they put and they uh, put like sand inside the car. So like they bury the car and they take that guy and they were hitting the guy. And the guy was trying, like he was threatening people in the bus and he was going to take them. So he was. He was effectively kidnapping. kidnapping yeah. Them. And the military intervened. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And luckily that group of the military, they were good. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you could also have the same situation where they will come mm-hmm. and then they will be the ones to detain you and then call their cartel connect well, mm-hmm. and say, I got people here. And then that cartel would call me. Mm-hmm. And then you also got detained and you went to the Mexican prison yeah, like on the south. Yeah. So I was safer on the bike than in the bus. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> those, they were with us like for 45 minutes, an hour. Because wow. if we are there alone, the cartel will come. Mm-hmm. So they were waiting and they call a taxi and they say to the taxi, look at me. I have the GPS. So I share my GPS with the military. So they say, I have the, her, her location his location. If you don't take them to the airport, you are dead mm-hmm. to the, to the taxi driver. Wow. The taxi driver was driving like, <laughs> oh my God, who are these people? And we were like, oh, <laughs> we need to get yeah. there. We need to get yeah, there. We got lucky. Yeah. You was, lucky. Yeah. It was hard. And then in Guatemala, they took us from the bus and they say to the driver, go. So we lost the, the bus. And we were like, damn, this is bad. Mm -hmm. And I was with my wife and other friends also from Cuba. And they want us, they want to take the woman alone and leave the men. So I told them, if you don't take us all, you don't take anyone. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You don't take anyone. And they took us all and we went to a dark place. It was, and, and they start like, open your backpacks and everything. And they were looking for money and all that. Mm-hmm. So they want us to get us to another cartel. But then one of the girls has the, her location with uh, the cartel that was taking us. And they came in, in, in motorcycles and shooting. And, where, where are they? It was like crazy. And they and it was crazy. That day was crazy. And it was my wife's birthday. Oh, wow. So we were kidnapped my wife's birthday oh in gosh. Guatemala. Yeah, our immigration Happy process is a bit better. A little bit. Better, yeah. Just. There's a and movie there. Yeah, there is a movie there, yeah, yeah. You have a brother, a younger brother. Yeah, mm-hmm. Is, is he here brother. in the US now as no, well? He's still he's in stayed, Cuba. He stayed in Cuba. Is he? So, sorry, I'm being ignorant here, but why can't you fly from Cuba to, to here? You, you can't. Not, now you can, but you have to start a process. But that is a new thing that started after I came here. Okay. okay. So now it's a process, it's called a humanitarian parole. So mm-hmm. you have to wait a few months, but you can come directly. Mm-hmm. So you can't even come on a holiday, like if you wanted to just come? No, no so even a vacation or work wow. permit, anything. Yeah. Is like Cuba is part of this, the sanctioned list of countries that are like in the terrorist list. Mm-hmm. So, and they have back like from the, from the 50s and 60s, because Cuba and the U.S. had a lot of relationships. So the U.S. had a lot of interest in Cuba. Yeah. So when Castro took over, he was trying to cut a deal with Russia and trying to cut a deal with the U.S. 
but when he came to the US, the US didn't like the, he couldn't meet with the president. He met with the VP and Castro. Castro was a guy that had a massive ego. So there's a documentary that shows like when he came to New York yeah. to meet with them and they wouldn't receive him and all this. So he made the deal with Russia. So he made a bet on mm -hmm. the Soviets. Mm -hmm. And that's when you get the missile crisis in the 60s yeah. because the Soviets do have nuclear weapons in Cuba. Like they, they brought the stuff. Yeah. It was there pointed <laughs> at the U.S. So that created a lot of tension. Mm -hmm. So the U.S. and Cuba broke relationships. And it was like we have the embargo from the U.S. on Cuba and that really limited the economic growth of Cuba. Mm -hmm. But also Cuba has its own limitations with people that like, for example, when I was in the army, I could not be seen or spend time with anyone from the U.S. or like from people from another country who was okay, but not from the U.S. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you could not, like, if my uncle came to visit me from the U.S., I wasn't supposed to, like, spend time with him and things like that. So Cuba creates a lot of, like, barriers for its own people because that way you can keep people in check. Mm -hmm. So the U.S. had limitations on Cuba because you're not going to allow this country that is right there 90 mm -hmm. miles from Florida that has nuclear weapons from the Soviet to like flourish and, and be great. Yeah. And then what happened in the nineties is the Soviet Union like fell apart. So then Cuba was like, okay, we're screwed because they were only producing sugar to export and they had no industry, no infrastructure, nothing else. Yeah. So then they moved to tourism, but it was like about a decade that it was like really bad. Yeah. I was going to say, it must be tourism because I know from UK, Havana was mm -hmm. one of the top tourist resorts to come from the UK. And it, obviously the cruise ships all stop mm -hmm. in Havana. So so that, that changed then in the 90s. Yes, okay. it changed. I would it say changed the 90s, it was like, noughties, yeah. noughties was huge. Cuba was like, everybody wanted to go on holidays yeah, to yeah, Cuba. Because it's obviously huge. a beautiful country. Yeah. yeah. The problem is that when you go on holiday, so if mm -hmm. you bring $100, you have to exchange it. You cannot use the do, the do, the U.S. currency okay. in Cuba soil. So you mm -hmm. exchange it, and they give you how much is it, like eighty seven cents on the dollar. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so they take a thirty percent, thirteen percent cut, mm -hmm. and then you're using that money. But all the stores. So the funny thing in Cuba, all the malls, like the the stores, Shopping. they belong to the army. Okay. <laughs> okay. But people don't know that. Yeah. And then every major enterprise, like you're not allowed to have a business. Like some people have licenses to like have a little restaurant or like sell things mm -hmm. or have a little shop, but you're not allowed to own properties. Like to have one car is like super difficult. People, like if you own this house and you wanted to sell it to me, mm -hmm. you couldn't. They're changing those laws. They, they have changed some of those laws. And what laws. is that? I mean, we all know communism because we hear it, but why... Why is it that they want communism? Is it just so they can control the people and that nobody? Yeah, because they are the owner owners of the country. Mm -hmm. Okay, they can do whatever they want. Mm. Okay, you are not anything is yours. And so. would the leaders be rich? Would they have? Yeah, they are. They yeah. were yeah. rich. Yeah, like Castro had countries. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Imagine instead of being wealthy, you own an island with eleven million people at your disposal. Mm -hmm. Like that is when you think about it, that is more power than being the president of America. 
Because yeah, you have politics and you can do this and that. Blah, blah, blah. But he had an island yeah. with 11 million people that he could play experiments on. It's a big island as well. It's not a small cube. <laughs> yeah, it's big. So how did you get to the US? In my case, I, I made a, the, that film that CJ mm -hmm. talked about. The per, one of the people that went out with me to like help me shoot it, I had no idea, but this guy was the president of a film festival in France. Okay. So he was doing the sound mm. and I was filming and doing the documentary. And then when the whole thing was finished and he saw it, he was like blown away. So he mm. was like, I want to have this on my festival. So through the French Alliance organization, so France has this almost like they're not embassies. They're like cultural embassies mm -hmm. in different countries and they do cultural exchange. So through that organization, he found a way to get me sponsored to go to France to show my film about Cuba. And, there, and I had interviewed some French uh, people talking about their experience in Cuba. So I think that was like very appealing for them. And I was working with the Film Institute in Cuba. So in Cuba, unlike Hollywood here, you just have studios and production companies and you mm -hmm. do whatever. There, you have one film institute that is connected directly to the communist party and the government. So they censor everything that is produced and every film has to be, every film that wants to be distributed in the theaters or get funding or anything like that, because you're not allowed to create a production company, like you had okay. to do it through them. So I have been working with the Film Institute doing a project where uh, it was like a 48 hour film festival type thing where filmmakers will come together, shoot, edit, and then we'll show it in the theater. And that's the film that CJ was talking about. So because I did that film within those parameters, they helped me to get my visa approved. And then I went to France mm -hmm. for this festival. And then after that, I made another film in France and another person there invited me to go to Canada for a similar project. So being connected with the Film Institute, I got my visa like expedited, wow. everything, because oh, cool. it was like some sort of like official government yeah. thing. And they did all the dealings with the Canadian embassy. So then when I went to Canada for that festival, my dad was like, this is your shot. Like yeah, yeah. you have to take this shot. So the, the people of the festival, it was this big party going on in the city and I just went to bed really early. And then in the morning, I got up when it was like 5 a.m., left my clothes, like made it look like I was still mm -hmm. asleep, left my suitcase and everything. I took a backpack with some clothes and my ex-wife and I, we just started walking and we went to a bus station and got a one-way ticket to Montreal. And from there, we kind of got lost in the metro and uh, we found our way mm -hmm. close to the U.S. border. And then finally, we got a, a car that took us like to the border. And then when we show up, I didn't want to go to the big border patrol center because I was mm -hmm. afraid that like they wouldn't let me in. Yeah. So I went to like a tiny little checkpoint yeah, little up. Yeah. <laughs> and then when we pull up, I tried to explain the guy with my like kind of half broken English. Uh, and then I know I'm from Cuba. And then I went to get out of the car and the guy was like, stay in the fucking car. He got his gun out. He's like, where are you? So they pull us over and they check to see if we had any weapons. Because yeah. when Cuba was like, it's a terrorist country mm -hmm. in, in many people's uh, minds. So they check to make sure we didn't have any weapons and they start making phone calls and they do all of that. So the, the beauty of it is that at that point, there was a law that allowed Cubans to come to America with refugee status. 
wow. because I was leaving a communist country and defecting. Mm. So that's how I was able to come to America and then started my whole process, got my wow. green card, got my citizenship and all that. Oh, oh cool. You touched on earlier as well about being in the military. Is it conscript in, yeah. in Cuba? You've done time in the military yes. as well, CJ. Yeah. Um, how long is that? Two years. Two years. So I was 14 Were you 14 months? Yeah. Yes. From the age of 18 or? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So before you can get a job, you need to have your, your, an, it's called an, Anexo Uno, right? Mm, yeah. Your mm -hmm. paper that says you served. It, it's some sort of like bullshit military mm. service. Is that it's, male only or? Male yes. only. Uh, females do Can it. Can do it, but it's not. It's like oh, voluntary. Yeah. Mm. And they only do it like for like three weeks or something? 45 days. Yeah, they okay. can do like the whole long-term thing. So I had it easier because our parents had moved out of the city and they had a farm and they had a ministry to help people uh, get out of addictions. Mm -hmm. And the, CJ and Miguel, my other brother, they were living there. I stayed in the city because I was going to school. And I stayed with my grandma. So when they came to recruit me for the army, uh, I was living alone with my grandma. So mm -hmm. they put me in a special program where I did my boot camp, and then they placed me in a hospital to work that was close to to where we lived. So I was a janitor at the hospital for like most of the, the time. And then I started working, like I kind of worked my way up out of yeah. the janitor. And then they put me working in the, the, in Cuba, they don't have the plastic syringes, they have glass syringes in mm -hmm. the hospital. And this is another thing that people have no fucking idea. Like <laughs> they think that healthcare in Cuba is amazing yeah. and it's absolutely not. It's, mm -hmm. it's terrible. It's like so sad. So we had the needles that came from China for people to get their shots. Then they would use the needles, bring them back to, to the place where I worked. And then we'll put them in a little container with some detergent, wash them off. Then I would take a syringe with like soapy water, run it through the syringe to get the blood clots out. Wow. Well. <laughs> by hand, one by one, like hundreds of needles. Mm. That was my job. I had to do like a 24 hour. Well. Then you would place them one by one, Alana, on a table to have them dry out. And then we'll wrap them with little papers and stuff and then put them on this big thing that would like boil everything and mm -hmm. sterilize everything. And the smell was like oof, terrible. Nice. So yeah, the social. <laughs> it's not a job. <laughs> That's communism for you. I yeah. need to tell my daughter about that job. Yeah. I'll that job. Yeah. But you know, I learned a lot during doing that job. Cause like, it'll be like six in the morning and I'm mopping the floor mm. in a hospital. And I used to like have my little ear pods and I'll play English music. Mm. And now I would tell myself like, you are, you're like, it's almost like you are building right now, like that character of who you're going to be in the mm. future. And I used to like get lost in my thoughts of like what things I wanted to film and what ideas. And like, I would listen to music and like try to come up with ideas for the music videos of this American songs that I couldn't ever like make a music video for. And it, it did help me a lot to build just like that thinking mind of like, you thought something better is gonna happen. And even yeah. you're doing this shitty thing right now, but it's okay, like you, you are going to find a way and this is gonna help you like mm -hmm. in the future. And now I've worked with some of the biggest artists in the world, like 
mm-hmm. we have produced videos that get have millions and millions of views and it's still like not even close to where we want to go mm-hmm. it's only the beginning but we have come long ways yeah. from being a janitor mm-hmm. in a military hospital in havana to now working as a producer and being in hollywood mm-hmm. and like being here in america and have a shot at competing just the ability to have a shot yeah even mm-hmm. you know and do you think that's the bit that kind of kids are missing now that they're seeing where they are they're seeing where they want to be but that middle bit they don't mm-hmm. want to do they don't maybe yeah. feel like they should have to do it now and they're not realizing that the middle bit's the most important bit i think it depends on the kid that 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 is in question to be honest most most young men they don't have aspirations of doing something massive they might want to get the benefits of it. They might want to have a Lamborghini and like have mm. beautiful women and have money, but that won't really get you to do anything long enough. Mm-hmm. So if you only want those things, then you're going to end up wanting to get rich in a quick thing or something like that. I think only a very small percentage of people actually have dreams and something that happens to people like us, we have high achieve. We are high achievers. We are in circles where everyone is doing all that. But sometimes we forget that we are the top 1% of people in whatever country you go. Most people, they don't have that burning desire to Mm. excel and live at Mm. a high level. So I almost, with 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 the show that I'm doing and the podcast and everything, I'm trying to divide my message between two camps. Mm. So... If someone wants to accomplish something at the highest level, then I can tell them, hey, this is what I have done to get to where I'm at. And this is what I have seen from people who are 10 steps ahead. This is how they operate. And it's very extreme, very like there's no room for like sometimes not even room for enjoyment. And it's like very hardcore. You just get up and go and do this. Then there's another camp of like, young guys that they're just lost they don't they don't yeah. know they don't even know what the dream is and then for those guys it's a complete different it's like almost from zero to 60 like it's a complete different advice and for those people it goes down to the basics of just go to the gym and work out and then write down three things that you want to accomplish and let's just focus on that for a little bit mm-hmm. and don't worry about strategy and leveling doing too many complex keep it simple keep Mm -hmm. it simple so those two types of people i think that's where we have the the most impact that we can actually help people because usually that's where you can make a change either help someone to break through and go massive with a few tweaks of how they do a couple things and then just getting young guys to to do the basics which i'm super excited about like i never thought even with the podcast that we're doing and that my brother and i were doing now I get messages from like young guys that are 21, 22, and like they're going through a breakup or they don't know what to do with their careers. And like, and at the same time, you find people who are like 45 and they're also going through a divorce mm. and now they don't know what to do. And like, they're going through difficult times. And I think those people at that level, they're not even thinking about something massive. They're just thinking about how do I not feel lost? Yeah, I think feeling lost is probably the worst place to be. Because when you have a, a at least an idea, you can sit down and visualize what that yeah. is. But if you're just like in that mech, 
mm-hmm. which most people, that's where they are. And even we have those times too. I believe every now and then mm-hmm. I lay down in bed at night and I'm like, it's like, yeah. am, am I really like moving towards the thing that I want to move? You know, mm-hmm. like it's very difficult to be mm-hmm. successful and, and to feel that your life is well put together. I think that both what you were saying there about the visualization and the manifestation, it was uh, not to throw him under the bus or anything here, but I was talking to her about what she wanted for just like what you were saying there, what is the desire? And it was this financial stability, house, et cetera. And I said, yeah, but you're in this house, you've got, what does it look like? Where are you? What are you doing? And she was just, it was just these very much like, I want a nice car. I want that. I was like, right, but what are we doing around here? What, so we've got the car, it's in the front of your driveway right now. You've got the house, but what are you doing? What is your life looking like? And I said to her, look, I said, look, I'm here. I'm the fairy godmother. I've got the wand in my hand, but I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm what I'm, I'm waving here because you're not telling me. You're telling me a car, but we need to see what's around this car. And I think that's the that's the part that people are losing, that that purpose and the 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 dream isn't the car, the dream isn't sitting on the beach with a margarita because you can only drink so many margaritas mm-hmm. and then it's boring now. Mm-hmm. It's what is the full picture looking like? And that's what you need to know before you can create it. We need to know what the whole thing looks like. And I think, as you say, it's that meh moment where most people don't know what that is. I think some people look at the end product. That's mm-hmm. what they want, but they just don't know where the start point is. Some mm-hmm. don't know where the start point is. And then everything in between the start and the end, you know, we, I get a lot from, um, on social media, I, I want to be in the special forces and I speak to some other special forces friends and they get exactly the same message. What do I need to do? And if it, people think there's one pill that you take, I mean, that's you, you're now in the special forces. Well, actually I joined the army at 17. I didn't join the special forces. I was 28. There was 11 years there of army commando course diving course you know it's that build up but they just want that final thing so i think sometimes people just need direction to the start point um and then yeah you know fill in those gaps yeah. but it's, it's not well, a, it's good to have even having the dream of i want to be in the special forces probably goes into that side of what mm-hmm. i was saying it's because it, that's that's something very real that we can work on okay well you're here you're let's take it back and mm-hmm. see what you need to do between because i think the, the majority of the questions you get asked what do I need to eat to get into the special forces or what do I need to eat? Well, like, you, you're so in good well. shape. You're in good shape. How, you know, what do you, what do you train wise? It, my training was all done in my younger years. The shape I am now at 46 is because everything I did from 18 to 30, not from 30 to 46. So it's that, you know, you need to focus on back there. And it's almost looking for how do I get big arms or big biceps or mm-hmm. big forearms? It's like, well, actually I did all that in my mm-hmm. younger years. The other thing that is very important is why do you want to do that? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the times that is more important because the why will determine whether you're going to put up with all the shit that you have to Mm -hmm. eat to get to the where. And that happens a lot. I I consult with a lot of people that they want to start a podcast and they want to have like a personal brand and all that. And I love that. Like I want everyone to have a podcast. I want everyone (laughs) to like do all of that because I get so much value out of it. And I enjoy doing this so much that I want everyone to do it. But the moment we start talking about it, they're asking, oh, so how do I do the thumbnail? And how do I do that? And like that comes step two and three mm-hmm. but step one is why do you really want to do it and even for us e- every every couple of weeks we sit down and like reanalyze everything it's like 
Do mm-hmm. I want to keep doing this type of interview and talk to these type of people? Mm-hmm. Is that going to actually help me to become a director? And then mm-hmm. if it's not helping me become a director, do I still do it? Like the other day we had an interview with uh, one of the best immigration lawyers in the country. And that has nothing to do with like making movies, but it was an important topic. It's something that we experienced like firsthand. And we, I think that was more important than me sitting down with an actor at that time and place. Mm. So in that moment, the, the why gets reinforced because yeah. I want to have like amazing conversations with amazing people. And that goes beyond just wanting to be famous. And now I want our, our, both of our shows to be massive and make millions of dollars and just blast. Right. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, and CJ is really good at reminding me this all the time. If I don't get to sit down and do what I want to do with an honest heart, like it doesn't matter if you're famous and because the worst thing you can have is get that house or that car or that famous show or that movie and not be the thing why yeah. you actually started it. That must be sad, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. I think and not being ready for it. Because I think if you're giving it too early, if you're giving it and you haven't done all that work, then you've got this... Mm-hmm. You know, I'm the same. I would love to make um, a, a series one day, but if somebody came now and said, right, we're going to do it right now, am I ready? Probably not fully. I probably need a little bit more experience. And if it got handed to me on a plate, I'm not getting to see all that struggle in between of doing those little parts and those little other little things that might, might come along. Um, you wouldn't appreciate it more either yeah. as well. You know, at the end, you know, you did your series, you're like, would you appreciate it more that someone gave it to you or that actually you spend those years grinding and then finally, yeah, we, we, we made it. And mm. yeah, yeah, so it's appreciating what you've done and, and the why and the why is, the why is a big one, actually the big question. Why do you, and I, we, we, we see people and I'm like, well, why, why is she doing that? You know, what is, you know, she just wants to be famous. Yeah, but great. But then, but why? Mm. <laughs> you know, but don't you think that we overestimate <clears throat> the why? Yeah, overestimate, overestimate yeah. the why. Overestimate yeah, yeah, we do, yeah. the why. Yeah, it's not important. Mm. For me, it's not important. I mean, <sighs> now the why is important. See, yeah. I like think if, if you're, you're, if you're asking, yeah. is so. Let's just take being famous for example. And if you said, well, why do you mm-hmm. want to be famous? Because mm-hmm. famous is. Um, under a spotlight, constant scrutiny, um, everyone mm-hmm. wanting to know your business. There's all these things come with the word being famous. So if the why is outweighing that, mm-hmm. then I think it is important to have the why. Yeah, but the why is the why always will give the why will give you another way to do it. It doesn't have to be this way. You can help other people, it doesn't have to be doing a podcast. Mm. See, for me, I get asked a lot. Why, why, why do you go to these countries? Why do you evacuate people? You know, what is the why? I don't have to do it. No, why is because we want to help as many people as, as possible. And we don't, this is, Israel is actually the first time ever that the world has known that that's what we do. We evacuate hundreds of thousands, you know, thousands of people over the years. You know, why? Because we want to help people. If I didn't have that why, yeah, I wouldn't I have gone to the airport. That I think the I think the why in that one and it was something my, 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 why, yeah. my father is. <laughs> yeah, no, you, I mean your why is important because yeah, you are saving yes. people's lives. Yeah. I mean, with this type of project, that you, for example, you want to create an app. Okay, mm-hmm. that's your business. Mm-hmm. Why you can create another thing? You could help people other ways. So mm-hmm. when you say I want to help people, yes, that won't give you 
what you need to create an app. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's, I want to create an app because I want to people open their phones and see my app there. Yeah. I want that. Got That's it. more important than helping people because helping people, you will do a thousands yeah. way. You know? yeah. mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think the why can be whatever. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be fancy. It doesn't yeah. have to be this like humanitarian thing. Yeah. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, I want to make big movies. Why? Because they're cool. Mm-hmm. Like, that's mm-hmm. it. Because I want to sit down and watch that and say, I did that. Like, mm-hmm. and that's fine. As long as you know that, hey, this is why you're doing this. Mm-hmm. And not, I think, lying to yourself with the why. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. your why can be silly, can be stupid. It could be, I just, it can be petty. Mm-hmm. It can be whatever. Like, yeah. yesterday we had, uh, at the show that I produced, we had Patrick Bed David on. And his new book is called Choose Your Enemies Wisely. And it was very interesting that he's opening up about how he started this entire business thing just because someone humiliated his dad. And now he's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to show them that my dad and my family name is like the best thing ever. And mm-hmm. I'm going to dedicate all of my anger and energy yeah, towards yeah. that. That's okay. Mm-hmm. I think people get tripped when they lie to themselves and to mm-hmm. other people about their why. Mm-hmm. You know why I want to make big movies and make a lot of money? Because I was fucking poor and like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be like that anymore. Yeah. And I didn't mm-hmm. come to America to like, just be nice to people. Mm-hmm. No. Part of mm-hmm. why I came to America is because I was poor and I don't want mm-hmm. to be poor and I don't want my family to be poor ever again. And that's why mm-hmm. I want to make yeah. a lot of money. I don't want to make a film that flops and yeah, it helped a lot of people, but it made no money. I'm not interested in that. And that's fine. I think that's so true is not to lie to yourself about the why, but also you don't need to explain your why to anybody else. Yeah, I would say your why is slightly different from someone else because we get it a lot. But I would say why the, the question that, that we get asked probably the most is why do you guys do what you do? And I understand why we do it. Dean understands why we do it. And I think if you have to ask us, then you're never going to really understand why it is we do it. So why do I want to spend my energy trying to explain that to you when it's never really going to quite fit? I don't understand how people can be comfortable doing nine to five. That's okay. I don't understand that. But they're happy like that. Mm. So I, they don't need to explain themselves to me, yeah. just like we don't need to explain. As long as we understand why we're doing it and how we're doing it, that's all that really matters. Great I guess. scene at the end of Black Hawk Down. When people ask him why he goes to war, he's, I'll never, they'll never understand. Exactly. So I'm never going to explain. And, and it's, it's pretty much it. Yeah, that's what we get. But a lot of people are like, why are you doing that? And it's like, our why is different from your why. Our mm-hmm. circumstances, we're actually in a good position that we can help. You may not be in that same position to be able to help the way that we can. And so, so yeah, it's a great argument. It's a great debate, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. So, but I do, you know, why, why, why cycle 14,000 miles? You know, well, I had to have wise. Wise was a to raise money for mental health, but my why was to break the world record. Mm-hmm. I had to have my why, and it, you have to be selfish. Yeah, with that, that why. was my selfish one. That mm-hmm. was I had to. That was my goal. Not the we were already going to make money and, and raise awareness. My goal was now. Why am I going to? Because I'm going to be the first man in history to do it under 100 days and prove mm-hmm. to people that at the over the age of 40, anything's possible. And it almost, and as you said, it had to be quite selfish. Yeah. yeah, you yeah. you need it like mm. to to operate at the level that we want to operate. You do have to be selfish. Yeah, I think people probably they're just afraid to say that, mm. and mm. you have to be selfish because a lot of the times, 
especially for us, like wanting to be in ca on camera, it feels weird to me sometimes, like to see my brother working on a video for me. Mm -hmm. And slowly I have gotten over the weird feeling of that because I have under I have understood that, hey, he's actually also doing that and it's going to benefit him. Mm -hmm. So like, don't feel guilty about mm -hmm. like having your brother helping you with your thing. And then whenever he needs it, I'm going to be the first one to be there to like film him and edit his video and help yeah. with his thing. Like yeah. I'm going to do that at well, 100%. Because it's like the higher you grow, he's coming with you. It like, benefits both. you know, yeah, whoever's yeah. getting there first, yeah. it doesn't really matter. And then for me, it's like when I was in Cuba, like for how many years? Six years? How, mm -hmm. What's the difference? Seven years, eight yeah. years. Mm -hmm. He was sending money, the clothes that I had. It was because he bought it here and he mm -hmm. sent it. And mm -hmm. when he when he went to Cuba, the, he gave me that clothes. So in Cuba, I was living because of him. Mm -hmm. So the, make a video for me is like, this is, yeah. it's, I'm doing something that I like and I will do something that I hate for him. So doing something that I love <laughs> is like, <laughs> this is happy life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's awesome. I'm lucky. So yeah. you came, um, so you were in the US in 2012. And then when did you get your citizenship? Uh, it took about five and a half years. And then you came 2022. Last, last year. Yeah. Yes. So there's still a good few years while you were here on your own then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That. I was here and it took me about four and a half years to travel back and visit for the first time uh, because I needed my green card. And then I was going to college. And I needed money to, to mm. be able to go because the trip was quite expensive yeah. for me. And at the time I was in, so I was going to school. Uh, I was married. I was doing like corporate videos and like commercials and things like that on the side while I was, while I was going to school full time and being a full time student. And then I had my son on my sophomore year. So that's when around that time we went to Cuba. So our family could meet our son. And it was a very surreal experience, like going back. It's like mm. very strange. Mm. And was it always on your radar that CJ was going to come over? Oh, like, 100%. Always. Yeah, always. And uh, our other brother, I'm going to find a way to bring him to. Uh, right now, he doesn't want to come. Mm -hmm. He wants to stay. And we want to find a way to convince him and bring him over here. Wow. What makes him want to stay? He's He has a call in with his church. And he wants to serve in that way. And that's how he feels that that's what he should do with his life. Wow. That's his why. That's, that's his, his why. why. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. We we don't understand it, but yeah. if he's happy with that, yeah. 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 I want to change it. Maybe I'll go along with that. Yeah. 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 CJ I has <laughs> accepted it because he, he battled with that a lot. And they right. had a lot of arguments over that. I think he's still young. And he will change his mind. How old is he? He'll, he'll he's 26. 26. 26. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And is he happy? Would you say what, what he's doing? He's living his purpose. Yeah. That's what for, he's saying. Yeah. I, I, I do believe that he's happy in that part. But living in Cuba is so hard. When mm. I, I'm just thinking when he has a family, a wife, child, he's going to spend days without food mm. and he won't he won't know what to do because yeah. you don't have a solution we are here we are going to help him but it's not enough 
Mm. Maybe make a movie about a young Cuban baseball player and he's the <laughs> star. He doesn't like sports. He can act. He likes medicine. Oh, but well. then, if you want to help your church, if you want to help in Cuba, you go come here. We can make a lot mm -hmm. of money. We will help other ways. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like your why, your why doesn't. It's, you don't have only one way to do yeah, yeah, that yeah. way, you know? Yeah. yeah, I think what's going to happen is we're going to convince him to just come visit. Mm -hmm. And then once you visit, then you, then there's yeah. not going back. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as he's had exposure to the US, yeah. like, his eyes will be wide open. It'll be like a movie. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. That makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. But you also do have, I mean, my, my younger brother, he's had to do that little path of himself. And I've always said, I even said California, like they're both teachers, him and his wife. And I'm like, come to California. And they're in Qatar and they're happy mm -hmm. in Qatar. And they mm -hmm. love. Qatar is good. It, mm -hmm. it, it, do, it does look like they're living a yeah. great life. But so. if they were like in a third world country with no food, like having to do all these terrible things, mm -hmm. no access to information, no access to travel, mm -hmm. then it would be different. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. That's what makes that's what makes it difficult for us. And also when you think about it, I want him to work with us in the business too, because he loves music. Okay. So I want him to take over the mm -hmm. record label and do all of that. Okay. He just hasn't been exposed to those things. And then mm -hmm. I think that will that will change once mm -hmm. he gets exposed yeah. to that. So there's the right. So what have you guys got going on? So we've got podcast, mm -hmm. the production company. Me. And the record label. And the record label. Yeah. And then do you still do the productions that you do? Or are they for, who do you do productions for? So I work full-time for Tom Bellew and Impact Theory. So I'm mm -hmm. the producer of the Impact Theory show. So I do that. That's 90% of my time is spent on that uh, full-time. Okay. And then the production company, the podcast and the record label that we have together, everything is like together. Okay. So everything helps everything so for example the production company would we have several short films that we have done and we did a documentary that is on apple tv and the production company produces the music videos of the artists to promote the record label so it's like a media company and then we have the artists on the podcast on the podcast so it's, yeah so it's like it's a media company mm -hmm. that has a music side of it podcast because podcasts are so uh, so influential right mm -hmm. now and I have been in that medium for several years and I know the power of it. And it's like an element that helps you. Like right now, you you we all met through a podcast yeah, and true. now mm -hmm. we're here doing mm -hmm. this. And like, imagine the way that now we're friendly with each other and we're gonna support each other. If you can multiply that by a hundred people that you have on your show, like- In you got, 10 years is like- Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Amazing. Um, your final I'll question. I'll let you do your, your one and then I'll do mine. I'll try. I think what the final question was. I forgot. Yours is strength and Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I yeah. so um, obviously, you guys brought up together. I'll ask you first, Axel, what is CJ's strengths and what is his weaknesses? And then I will ask you the same about yeah. your brother. Mm -hmm. CJ's strength is that nothing faces him. Mm -hmm. Highs and lows, he stays like in the <laughs> middle. <laughs> Like that's his strength. Weakness, I think. Being Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> no, being organized. Like oh, yeah. no, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not a thing. Like naming the project files and like putting things. Like he's just, and I have just accepted it. Yeah. Uh, because his work ethic makes up for for that. Okay. So that's okay. it. That makes sense. Do you have a desktop like mine? Then it's just. 
like vomit all over. <laughs> but you Good probably know exactly where everything is, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah for that's sure. Don't touch my, my desk, please. <laughs> and then he doesn't find like a project because I put a name like I don't remember the name of the person, and I just say, "What does does the person do?" Yeah, yeah. He's a nurse. Nurse. Yeah, <laughs> that's bad, but payback. He changed it. He changed it later. So. His big strengths, he's, I have to say, he's so generous with us. I don't know how, how he kept helping the family and a lot of people with everything that he was going on with his child and leukemia and all that. So that's something for me that is so big because I consider myself a generous person person that I want to help people, but he was just, he's in, an, in another level. Mm -hmm. So that's his main strength. And his weakness, I think he's contrary of me. He's too emotional. Yeah. Yes. So I don't care about anything. I don't care about everything. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wow. So I'm just going to go to you first then. So I, we just like to finish with, tell us what your purpose is. I think we've talked about it a lot today, mm -hmm. but it'll be interesting to see what... I don't know. Okay. We don't know. Good, honest answer. I like it. Okay. I'll speak to you in 10 years. You don't know or you don't know yet? I don't think I want to know. <laughs> okay. okay. Good I think his purpose is usually just to... Just be happy. Like, just be good. <laughs> mm. He always, he always smiles anyway, CJ. Yeah, yeah. He's always happy. So yeah, like yeah. He, he is living his purpose. Mm. I think his purpose is... Just I mean, one that. of my purpose wants to come here. That's why it's so difficult to, to explain to people because mm. they're always like, what is my dream? And this is my dream. So I made it. Makes sense. Makes sense to me. And I suffered to do it, but I made it. You did. You did. Yeah. You're here. This was your dream, wasn't it? To be in this room right now. <laughs> Give your brother a hug. Please stay Come on, you're there. the emotional I'll stay, one. I'll stay boiling up there, yeah. So, right, Chris, hand out the tissues here. CJ, you've done a first, brought a tear to my eye on the <laughs> podcast, to tell you. So, no. Yeah, it makes sense. That, that you're, you've achieved your dream, then that there's there's a reason you're always smiling. You know, and, and you've obviously brought your, your wife as well with you. You know, we've touched, we've skimmed Who's over amazing, that. You have by kids. the way. I love yeah. her. She's so yeah. cool. No, well done. Yeah. I thought he was the emotional one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just told us he was non emotional, yeah? <laughs> That's good. Man, yeah. Axel, last one. Yeah, for me, I think telling stories, like the stories, like they get me. Mm. Like there's nothing like when you can dream of it and then think about it and then write it and then film it and then edit it and then put it out together. And then you, you make a person feel like that, like when, when I first tasted that, like I remember I did a video with a friend and some random people came to see the video from another <laughs> country and it was this like father son and they watched the video and then the, the, the teenage kid starts crying 
And I was like, wow, that. that. And when you mm -hmm. think about it, like he went mm -hmm. into film because he saw that film that I made and he had that feeling and yeah. that made him true. So I think that is my purpose. Whenever, whenever I see people enjoy the films that I make and I get that emotion from people, that is what drives me to like keep doing it. But I also do it for myself. Yeah. 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 Like, I, like the script that he wrote that we did the film rescue like he sent it to me i was at the airport and i was like Whoa, i was crying <laughs> in the airport because it was so good and like i think feeling those emotions and then making other people feel yeah. those emotions that move them to appreciate life and be inspired and also go out and, and do better for their family and yeah. all that mm -hmm. do you have a director that you aspire to is there a spielberg spielberg yeah we actually um <laughs> Not to throw them, but her, his sister needed rescued in Israel, so we, yeah, we were connecting with his sister yeah, to do some help. Yeah, yeah. Don't add that thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, uh, probably the final question then for me, CJ, who's your baseball team? Oh, here I don't have any. Yeah. No, but in Cuba was one the same that my dad. It's called Pinar del Rio. Pinar del Rio. Pinar del Rio. Yeah. And his team was Industriales. Oh, we're not on the same team? Not oh, on the same oh. team because oh. one time we were kids and I was rooting for them. <laughs> and then made fun of me for rooting for them. And then I was like, screw you guys. <laughs> now this is going to be my team from my city. is going to be my actual yeah. team. Yeah. And then that's um, it. But you also like my team. You like my team. Yes, because... It was the team that I could go to the stadium. Okay, so I yeah. say, I'm with the, my dad teams, <laughs> but I mean, this I won't be here every time, like yeah. going for yeah, the yeah, other yeah, team. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. But now he loves soccer. Now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 He's, he's Real Madrid. Soccer. Real Madrid? Okay. So yeah. You're right. Right. I'm Chelsea. Okay. Chelsea, oh, yeah, yeah. Low time for you guys. Yeah, so it's not good time. It's not good time at the moment. No. Funny enough, my dad, my dad and his uh, his brother Rangers and Celtic are the two main Scottish mm. football soccer teams. Um, but they both have like a religious element to it as well. So one's mm. Protestant, one's Catholic. And my father and his brother, my dad supports Rangers and his brother supports Celtic. So you can imagine what it's like in our mm. house. Yeah, it's good to have a bit right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For, for us now, it's like whatever team he likes, I'm going to like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's the team. So okay. whatever he gets to choose the sport, mm -hmm. I get to choose like the cameras. Yeah. Oh. Well, guys, thank you so much. Yeah. For being yeah. Here. Thank you for joining us. Um, what I've taken away from this is is actually the power of TV. Yeah. It gives people dreams. Um and so you're going to support me more now when I'm... Yeah, I, I understand now. Because Alana obviously does a lot of script writing now and she obviously visualises it. Listen to what you were saying, Axel. I can see where, where Alana wants to go. I and mean, I'm thinking to myself, you know, what movies in my life were powerful, like Rocky. I can mm. still watch Rocky now. Even And whether it's the... The soundtrack's obviously quite good um, as well. But did I... I never really wanted to join the military, but I see now some of these movies these young kids are watching and that's probably why they want to be in the special yeah. forces it is the power of tv and the way it affects people you know because you I come out of the movies feeling either sad was... or you feeling happy or feeling energized like we watched rocky four 
on a Sunday and like, right, we're off to the gym tomorrow. <laughs> but when I was living in Bulgaria, I didn't know the language at all. Like I didn't know anything about the language and TV was what I would do exactly the same. I would just watch it and watch it and watch it and just just be able to be part of the conversation mm -hmm. was because you would pick up these words and be like, okay, I can get what you're kind of saying here. So that was how I used to do it, just watch. I can't remember what it was. It was like Law and Order, one of these that you were watching mm. in Bulgarian. In Bulgarian. <laughs> in another language. Yeah. yeah. Oh, amazing. No, but thank you so much for joining us. Um, it won't be the last time we, we all get together, no doubt. No doubt you'll all probably make a movie now. <laughs> Maybe one about a Cuban baseball player or a cyclist. I think it's quite a genius um, setup you've got, though, because the... The Latin American, the Spanish speaking, that's where the following's at. That's where the, mm -hmm. the you know, the huge popular, look at yeah. Beckham as soon as he went to Real Madrid, his, yeah. like, that was insane. Yeah, that was him. Yeah, that was him. <laughs> but when you're able to do an Both. English speaking and a, yeah. Crawling. Hey, son, thank you so awesome. much, Jen. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Alec. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you.